Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do. Like me, taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there! Gary Parrish, welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky blackdown. College Basketball Podcast is presented by Jersey Mike's. Jersey Mike's, a sub above. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button like you're Brandon Davies. You have consent. If you haven't yet, subscribe to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel. Also do that while you're here. Okay, let's get into it. Some possible big news today the world of college basketball. Purdue's Zach Eady, the reigning national player of the year, announced that he is going to enter the 2023 NBA draft while maintaining his college eligibility. That means he could go or he could stay. Deadleg, do you have a prediction? What do you think Zach Eady is ultimately going to do? Happy Tuesday to you, GP. Happy Tuesday to you. Great to see you here. Um, since we have last talked... We'll get to this in a second, but just right off the top, a, a reminder to our listeners, since GP and I last podcasted, we have the best big in college basketball last season and the best big in the tournament have both declared for the NBA draft. One of them seems to have a more determined future than the other. Adama Sonogo has also declared for the draft. We'll get to him and UConn stuff in just a second. Edie, I got to be honest, I took a little bit of a, of a quick vacay there. I thought he did this when I was gone. <laughs> I thought this was all well and done. This has been the plans uh, for a while here for Edie. What makes it interesting for Edie, and you have him obviously projected to return, which is why you have Purdue so high in your rankings, is he was born, he's from Canada, and so his NIL situation is, you know, it's it's just a, it's a bit tricky. Frankly, so is Sonogos, and it's like Oscar Sheboys. There are workarounds, and I know Purdue is working toward actually making it so that his NIL situation, should he return for another season, uh, be more streamlined and, frankly, make it easier to make him a very, very affluent young man. Um, I think he's got one hell of an interesting process ahead of him because I can see some teams absolutely being willing to take a chance on Zach Eady in the second round because of how quickly he has progressed as a basketball prospect. As a reminder, if you're listening to this podcast in the middle of April, got to figure you listen to it in the middle of January and February when we talked a hell of a lot about Zach Eady, but he did not start playing organized basketball until the back end of his high school career. And so when you take that into account and see how he has grown, and it has been huge huge Edie like uh, steps and strides that he has made. I could see a front officer too saying, look, look how he look. He's not a modern pro big, but the dude is seven, four and he's not a nightmare in space. I actually think he's progressed relatively well defensively in space. No, he's not an elite defender in space. And he's never, never going to be, but there are worse ones. And obviously he is, uh, he has gotten better. Some teams wouldn't draft him at all. I think a couple might, and it's all going to come down to, uh, what he prefers here. Edie's mindset, having talked with him and his mother, and I did the the deep profile on him uh, back in February when I went up to Purdue in the end of January, I would say you're going to get as logical and pragmatic of a process and decision-making by Edie and his camp, if you will, in this process, GP. Uh, I, I don't think you asked me to predict. I'm not going to predict. I don't know what's going to happen here. 
if I were an NBA team and I had a pick in the 40 to 60 range, I think I would actually draft Zach Eady because I think you can find real use for him. I don't know if that's the feedback he's going to get. And there is the potential he gets if he does not leave and he comes back, wins National Player of the Year, second straight season Parish. Like there actually is the potential he increases his stock more a year from now if he gets better and better and better under Matt Painter. But as you can see on the screen here on YouTube, he has declared keeping his eligibility open and we'll see how this process takes him over the next three, four, five, six weeks. I appreciate you pointing out that he is not American and therefore his name, image and likeness opportunities are um, a little more complicated. Same with Oscar Shibway, same with Adama Sonogo, same with anybody who is not American. Um, Cause that is something that should be pointed out. I guess the thing I would counter with, not counter much, respond with, is that 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 should not matter. Like, if you cannot figure a way around that, like, if Zach Eady being Canadian is the thing that prevents you from getting the right amount of money in his pocket via name and likeness deals, then you shouldn't be running a high major program. Like, well, it, I mean, it's just uh, GP. It's literally the laws of the country, though. Like, they have he's applying for a visa to get it done so that he can have more streamlined local opportunities. Like, that's something Purdue has been working on for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I think it will be a major factor, or it could be a major factor in whether or not he decides to, to stay or go. That's all. Yeah, no, I just think it, that's got to get done. Period. Yes. It, it has to get literally done. Ha- literally, the United States government has to approve that to for that to happen, just so you well, know. Well, you you got to have a friend in the government then. You'll get, right. like, that, that's got to get done. You cannot lose the reigning national player of the year over this type of stuff. Yeah. You it simply requires can't. a visa, just so people are fully understanding. There's a specific kind of – Zach Eady needs to – Purdue, and it should – and I'll shut up. Purdue needs to prove that Zach Eady is an elite-level athlete that is deserving – of all of these opportunities that other American-born non-professional athletes are, well, providing. can't you just can't you, can't you just take pictures of the National Player of the Year awards and send them you, in? Wouldn't that welcome, do it? You welcome. Yes, there is. It is quite the uh, quite the red tape that has to be cleared to get that done. As I right, understand. I, I understand all of the red tape. I just also believe that cannot be a part of the decision-making process. Like that's got to get, that's got to get handled. However you handle such things, it's got to be handled. How about this? I bet you John Calipari would know how to handle this. Right? <laughs> sure. And in some way he did because she way returned. So yes. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, Matt Painter, if you're listening and you need some advice, call Cal. I'm sure he'll take your phone call. And just uh, figure out what they had to do there because th- that is th- th- that can't be a part. We can never reach a day where Zach Eady says, I wanted to return to Purdue, but we couldn't get this thing worked out with name, image, and likeness. And therefore, I decided to just stay in the 2023 NBA draft. Like That could not be Purdue's reality. And I, I don't think it, it yeah. will be. As for should he stay or should he go, like I've said a bunch of different times, that's up to him. I, I, he is in a situation where anything he does is reasonable. Sometimes there's these guys who just aren't going to get picked. And you're like, what do you, what, where do you think you're going? You're not going, you, you can declare for the NBA draft, but the NBA draft doesn't care. Nobody's picking you. Zach, Eady, if he stays in the draft, he will get picked. Will it be in the first round? Probably not. Will it be in the second round? I would assume so. And over at CBSSports.com, we don't have two round uh, mock drafts yet. So I went to our buddy Jonathan Gavoni's over at ESPN.com just to see where he has How dare you Zach Eady right now. See me like that. How dare you? Honestly, I couldn't find Sam's most recent one. And I, and, and Sam I can say something before the end of the episode. And Sam, I was, hold on, hold on. and I was doing this as recently as 15 minutes ago. Gotcha. So uh, Jonathan's got Zach Eady going 50th overall in the 2023 NBA draft, if he remains in it. Last year's 50th pick, trivia time! Oh, boy, give me at least... So hold on, what, last year, who actually went 50th? Yeah, I mean, you have no... You, 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 I could give you give his first... conference. Then no conference, international player. Oh, then I'm done. Forget it. I can give you his <laughs> first name. Board. Get it off I can give board. you his first name, and you won't be able to give me his last. Give me, give me the first name. Mateo. Mateo. Good on my buddy. Fellow Mateo, gotta say I'm lost at sea at the moment on this one. I think it's Mateo Spagnolo. Okay, yeah, yeah Mateo oh, he's, Spagnolo. Uh, he's, yes, he's the he's the nephew of the former Giants coach. That's right. Yeah, Spagnolo. 
So you might be wondering, hey, where is Matteo Spagnolo today? And I can't speak for where he is like right now at this moment, but he spent the past year playing professionally in Italy. So maybe that's not a good cop. Nope. So I went to the 51st pick. Give me a conference. I'm not going to give you a conference. Do you know, is it because it's a mid-major player and you can't say with confidence you know the conference it's in? It's not. I wouldn't describe this person as a mid-major player. Uh, okay, give me an, a, another hint that doesn't give it away. His first name is Tyrese. Tyrese Martin, UConn. Tyrese Martin give it was up the to 51st pick. Because yeah. I actually thought he should have been a first-round pick, and I and we'll see if I'm was the 51st pick in the 2022 NBA draft. And he signed a two-year, $2.7 million contract as the 51st pick last season. So there's real money available here. And Purdue will have to figure out a way to get the money comparable to make this a, um, at least make this a contest. Because if you're telling, if somebody's telling Zach Eady, you can guarantee, I can guarantee you a two-year, $2.7 million contract if you enter the NBA draft and you're, putting that up against, hey, we'll try to figure out this name, image, and likeness stuff if we can. Well, then that that makes the decision a little easier, I think, to just say it's time for me to go. And so what Purdue needs to do is make sure this is not a, a money decision. You have to get it to a place. And this is, by the way, we're talking about Purdue. This is true for everybody, every school, every coach in a similar situation. These on-the-fence, will he stay or will he go guys, that are important to you, you've got to try to get it to a place where they're not factoring money into the decision. They're not leaving you over money. They might leave you because they've already graduated or because they don't want to spend another minute in a classroom or in an online class. Uh, They might leave you because they're not happy with their playing time. They might leave you for a variety of reasons. You cannot put yourself in a position where these types of players leave you over money. Because the money opportunities you were able to put in front of them uh, didn't even come close to matching what was available to them uh, through a, a professional path. And so hopefully Purdue will, will be able to do that and, and then make or allow Zach Eady to make whatever decision he makes. I will say I haven't talked to Tyrese Martin lately or ever. but You should. He's a good dude. Seems like it. Yeah. Two-year, $2.7 million. That's nice. It's like, you know, it's like 1.6 after taxes. You got to pay your agent, you know, all this stuff. It, it adds up. Yeah, well, like, you know, taxes are everywhere. Even if you're taking name, image, and likeness money, you're dealing with taxes well, there, too. Some of them, yes. But yes, yeah, yes, yes, yes. He only played 16 games this season for the Atlanta Hawks. He only appeared in 16 games. And in those 16 games, he averaged 4.1 minutes per game. So does he have nice money? Sure. Do you think he enjoyed the past year? I doubt it. And I mean, I'm point. not going to say whether he live in the dream. It's nobody's dream to appear in 16 games and play 4.1 minutes in those games. I always make this point. Tyrese Martin probably sat on a bench this season for the first time in his life, right? Well, I'm sure he had sat on benches before this. You know what I mean? I know. I'm just listening. This is probably the first time in his life he's ever been a bench player. A fair and, Yes, yes. I, I rem- not to compare myself to an NBA player, but I, you, you're due. It's been a few weeks, but I, I, I did. I, I played sports when I was younger and I was, I was good at some of them. And one of the ones I was good enough at was baseball. And I was my whole life starting second baseman or shortstop. You know, a, a, I was a good, not great baseball player. My whole life ne- had never sat on the bench ever. I started for every team I was ever on. And then I got to high school in my freshman year, made varsity, but I'm buried on the bench. You know, I'm just, I'm a, I'm a 14 year old freshman and I'm just buried on the bench and we were good. And I was miserable. I hated it. As the season progressed, I just wanted us to lose. Cause I got tired of just sitting in the dugout watching. I hate that is the terrible one. Teammate. I was a terrible teammate, but I just remember it was like a shock to the system. Like, I'm just not playing again today. I had never not played, and it was miserable. And I think about that all the time when these college stars go to the NBA, and, yeah, they're on a roster, but they are just buried at the end of the bench. And the paychecks are nice, the direct deposits, but I bet you on some level 
it is miserable. So let's just play this out with Zach Eady. He gets a two-year, $2.7 million contract to go to the NBA as the 50th pick. But then he's buried on somebody's bitch. Or, or, or he's bouncing back and forth between an NBA franchise and a G League franchise. Now contrast that with you're the best player in the entire country at the level of basketball you're playing. You're playing sold-out arenas every night on national television every game, and you have a chance to become your school's all-time leading scorer mm-hmm. and maybe put a better ending. Try and write the redemption stories. That's, that's how you right. want your. That's what I was gonna say, Paris. Is that and listen? Great college players have weird endings. It's it's one of the. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's like a. It's one of the weird aspects to the tournament. You go throughout history. Kevin Durant you know, ended without glory in the second round after his one and done season. There's a lot of really, really awesome all-time NBA players and their final college game was just, it was weird stuff. And so that could be Edie or you go try and pull a Virginia. Not that they can't, not that they will, but they could you try and pull a Virginia. Lose to a 16, run it back, win the whole damn thing. How's that sound? Well, it sounds possible. I mean, I've got them second with Zach Eady coming back. I've got them second in the top 25 and one right now. And if Andre Jackson, who we'll get to in a second, um, decides to remain in the NBA draft, I might move Purdue up to number one if Zach Eady is returning to Purdue. So I guess what I'm saying is Zach Eady can do whatever he wants, obviously, and reasonable people can disagree on what sounds like it's more enjoyable. But if money is not a factor, if I can make more or less the same amount of money in school as I can make in the NBA, I'd rather do another year at Purdue than do another than do a first year of sitting on somebody's bench. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, there's a lot of potential upside to returning for Zach Eady, particularly where he is. I And just to circle right on back around uh, to that bus stop, I, I think that he has a very good chance at improving his NBA stock a year from now. If Zach Eady developmentally gets even better, he's 7'4", can pass well, will improve his touch, could even pr- improve his defense, just everything, just a little bit better here and there let's say he goes 50th this year. Like, you know, maybe there's something, there's something to it, uh, him bumping up to even 35 or 30th. I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility. That being said, this is always in the pr- uh, projected course of action for him. He should go through this process, get real feedback and hell, you never know. I mean, he's going to be taking a gamble on some level, but there might be a team sitting there between 26 and 35 that privately might be like, no, why can't we make this work? Guys, the national player of the year, he's seven, four, smart great teammate comes from a super highly respected program and with a great coach there like we'll, we'll take him like sure he'll start on our bench but we'll t- that could be out there for Edie we'll have to wait and see if the feedback winds up being that but uh but here we go it's testing so the, the water season and he is yeah, doing just that. and like I mentioned Andre Jackson from UConn is doing the same thing Jordan Hawkins is in the draft for good Adama Sanogo all indications are he is in the draft for good. Um, Andre Jackson has made it clear he's going to maintain his college eligibility. And he's a fascinating prospect because, and if I were a college coach, I'd be, I'd be telling the Andre Jackson story to every you know, role player on my team. This dude averaged 6.7 points per game and is a legitimate NBA prospect. What's Stop. the caveat? <laughs> He's you tell like, me he's like the best athlete in college basketball. Well, yeah, well, th- yes, okay. He, yeah, you need to be what athletic. His freakish DNA. Yeah, this could be you. That's the only thing. No, I'm just saying. So often, 
so often players think that you got to score to get to the league. And the truth is I I've never met an NBA scout who cares if somebody averages 18 points a game or 13 points per game. They care about what they can imagine you being for them. And so here's an uh, a player in Andre Jackson who was wildly important to UConn's national championship run, even if he was never going to lead anybody in scoring or, 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 or other categories that get a lot of attention. He just matters. He matters to everything that they do. And he is, I, I think, the, the biggest example of players possibly in this draft uh, of somebody who was never a college star, but he was a meaningful, impactful player for a great college team. And now somebody's going to ask him to do exactly that at the NBA level. We don't need you to go score for us. We just need you to impact winning um, in a positive way. And so there's a chance he could sneak into the, uh, the first round. And it's a big decision for, for UConn's program because with him, I think I keep UConn preseason number one. But if they lose him in addition to what they're already losing, then I, I feel like I probably got to look another direction. And the place I'd probably look is, is Purdue as long as Zach Eadie's back on campus. Andre Jackson has taken 167 three-pointers in his college career at UConn, three seasons. He's made 29% of them. That 29 was a 39, he'd be a lottery pick, all right, because he does everything else so well. Good distributor, good IQ, great recovery, can defend four positions, gets all over the floor, willing passer, good rebounder. Um, fascinating draft decision upcoming here. Because I've I, I've talked to half dozen people in, in franchises about some two guys I can specifically remember. One of them being when I saw UConn play Xavier and he was there, uh, told me he wouldn't draft Andre Jackson. There just wasn't enough. There was not. It was not there with the shot. Didn't think the shot would ever be there. Not a good enough shooter. Someone else can pick him and he can be a really good role player. But for us and what we do, would never draft him. Others would would very well be willing to because of how much he does impact winning, and that cannot be overstated. It is it is a very big factor there, and he had a bunch of amazing moments. Having talked to Andre Jackson multiple times throughout this season, his career, he will almost certainly um, pass a lot of the tests that he needs to pass in this pre-draft process. Combine, interviews, all that, he's going to come off well. He just does not have shot creation, shot-making ability at this point, at least consistently. A season ago, he took 61 threes. He made 36% of them. That's solid enough. Uh, he took 89 this season. That dropped down to 28%. Uh, he was basically a non-shooter for the most part as a freshman there. So we'll wait and see on that. sonogo has gone. I think he... I, I, I think... I think you're right on that GP. He didn't say like he's 100% gone, but the understanding is that he'll probably be gone. I think Sonogo was good enough where I'd probably bump UConn out from number one preseason, but your rankings do what you got to do. I got nothing against you uh, with that. But um, yeah, if they were to lose Jackson and Sonogo, I tried to tell you, by the way, I tried to tell you. I figure at least one of those guys was going. I think Sonogo's gone. Um, I can see Jackson being talked into leaving because he's there's going to be a, I think he's just going to get enough positive feedback. That being said, I'd love to have him back. Uh, just a great guy to interview. Really good guy in the locker room. I talked to him after they lost after they beat Marquette. I was at that game and we talked. I I never ended up using it uh, the interview for anything that I was writing because it just uh, the window didn't hit. But I don't know. I just came away from that uh, that latest conversation at that point with him. Uh, being really impressed by how he helped keep that team in that locker room really in high belief and trust that because they had lost, you know, six of eight in that stretch. And we talked about that a ton that they would, uh, they would, they would get it back to where it needed to be uh, back to in November and December. And lo and behold, they did it. He was a major factor and made like, when you watch UConn play the season, a lot of reasons why they were so infectious and why that, that talent was so obvious as it came across the TV screen or in person, but his ability to really be the ultimate X factor glue guy, however you want to define him was awesome. He's a prospect unlike any other in this draft. And I could see him going anywhere between. I can't, eh, I just can't see him breaking first round because uh, of the shooting, but I like to call it anywhere. 31 to 60. I could, I could see it overall. Um, someone will pick him if he decides to stay in. 
Right. And um, just uh, for, and then we'll move on. When I'm doing roster projections at this point of the year for the top 25 and one, uh, with the one-time transfer waiver and name, image, and likeness rights all sort of shaking up the sport, I assume, sometimes incorrectly, but I just sort of blank, sort of a blanket assumption. If you're not a projected first-round pick, I'm going to assume you're going to stay in college for a lot of NIL money. And so Sonogo isn't a projected first-round pick. Andre Jackson isn't a projected first-round pick. That's why I, from the night of the championship game projected them back in school, but always acknowledge that it's possible they could leave school. And uh, we now know that Sonogo almost certainly is. And that um, Andre Jackson might ultimately, I think Zach Eady's back in school and Andre Jackson. I'm not sure of because he does already have his national championship and you can reasonably, reasonably argue that his, you think Edie could come back and improve his stock? I say maybe to that. Jackson could if he comes back and really he I could. This seems like boy, you're real hot. You're a hot. Yeah, he's hot. Right but now. if he came back and was like, I could see Andre Jackson coming back being the best player on UConn's team. They also lost Naheem Aline, who transferred to St. Yeah. John's. I could actually see Jackson also improving his stock. He's just got the shots got to get better. If it does, then forget about it. I, so I actually think that's on the table. I think it's more likely. With and there's and there's one thing that I forgot to note when we were talking specifically about Edie. Then we'll move on. Um, did you see these quotes from last week? There was like a coaches versus cancer event somewhere, and there were Big Ten coaches there. I think Fran McCaffrey might have been there. Tom, I know Tom Izzo was I, I there. I saw the I saw the picture. Okay. That's all. Well, I, I didn't actually what? hear these, but somebody reported that, you know, Tom gave a media availability and boy, he's got a nice team coming back, but he was asked about Purdue and he kept talking about Purdue, Tom Izzo. And he was saying, well, you know, Matt's got everybody coming back. Well, you know, Purdue's bringing everybody back. It, he was saying it like he almost knew like, yeah, Edie's coming back. I mean, I, yes. <laughs> like so it's interesting like, so on the podcast for the segment <laughs> yeah. and now and now join us from east lansing tom, tom is a tell us why zach is going to be coming back and uh and what you know there so, you tom know? you spent all last week telling anybody who would listen that zach Eady is returning to purdue tell us how you know that I just thought, I don't know, it stood out to me that Tom Izzo was talking like, of course, Purdue's bringing everybody back from a team that won the Big Ten title. They'll be the favorite again. So that might be worth nothing. It might be worth everything. But um, I did. I, I saw well, it floating. This podcast is one with principle and ethics, and we yep. will be crediting Tom Izzo when Zach, he just announces he will. Yes, be uh, it'll be breaking news. As Tom Izzo first reported That's right. at a coaches versus cancer clinic. Zach, he is returning to Purdue. For another year and of college basketball, the entire uh, college basketball media industry to do the same. Follow yes. in steps here. You're going to credit Tom, Tom Izzo scooped scooped the whole deal. We, I, you think I'm kidding? I'm not. I will be credited. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, there have been some interesting roster developments over the past few days. We'll get into that next, but first, a word from our partners. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Well, there have been some interesting roster developments over the past few days. Miami uh, appears to have lost Isaiah Wong to the NBA draft. Baylor appears to have lost Adam Flagler to the NBA draft. So both teams are now uh, looking like they're going to lose their leading scores. Which is the bigger loss? Uh, Isaiah Wong at Miami or Adam Flagler at yeah, Baylor? Let's, let's, let's touch this. Flagler might be another. My answer is... Wong. By the way, test the waters. You know what? You know where this phrase dates back to? 
It's test the water season. People can't stop doing it. Test the waters. Well, I'm assuming testing the waters means something like, uh, you know, like stick your foot in there and see if it's too hot or too cold. That would be incorrect. When's the last time you tested some waters, by the way? I mean, I tested waters last night for my uh, little guy. I did, you know, ran some bath water and then I tested it. You know what? (laughs) I tested the water as well. And I I had the waters last night. Same thing. And on over on over the weekend. Yeah, we finally we opened our pool for the beautiful weather that's coming. So happy for you. Tested the water there. Had to test the water. I've been testing water myself. Grammarphobia.com. Got asked this a few years back. Asked, do you know when the phrase test the waters came to mean to float an idea? Um, The answer here is the expression, quote, to test the waters, end quote, has been used literally since the 19th century in the sense of testing water for its purity, chemical content, and so on. Mm -hmm. The earliest example we found, see, we're an educational podcast, even in the middle of the offseason, or start of the offseason. The earliest example we found is from a report in the February 1881 issue of the Canada Medical Record. GP, you got that behind you on this podcast shot, right? It's one of those things back there. Yes, 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 yes. About an outbreak of typhoid fever at Bishop's College University, now Bishop's University in Lennoxville, Quebec. There you go. Test the waters, 1881 to present. I've been testing waters a lot lately myself. People love to test the waters. I'm going to test some waters as this is done. All right, so I think Wong's the bigger one. Wong's gone, although I I checked over this, this Flagler statement. It doesn't say he's gone for good. But Jonathan Gavoni um, reported that by the way, she asked, all she indications asked. are that he does not intend to return to college. All right. So it's a Sonogo type situation. That's that's the way I read it from Jonathan. All right. Um, Flagler leaving is is certainly I would to me, it's Wong, although hmm, or about even because. Just a heads up, we're gonna have a uh, we're gonna have an all transfer first team coming out at CBSSports.com later this week, and I won't say who, but I will say that I ultimately only picked one Miami player, but the Nigel Long versus Norchad Omir, who was the more impactful transfer? Like the, the those two would be in my top ten. We submitted a top five for our first team all transfer team. It's a new idea. We're pioneers. NBD. And I didn't want to have two guys on one team be represented. So I wound up just picking one. I don't think Paris has done his yet. I'm not going to say it. I don't want to be an influencer. Uh, with that being said, Wong had, you know, no shortage of real help around him. And obviously so did Flagler. I mean, he was one head of a three headed snake. That was one of the, you know, one or two best backcourts in the entire country. But throughout the entire course of the season, I think Wong was a bit more impactful and his departure, I think winds up meaning more to Miami's prospectus next season narrowly than Flagler. I agree. I think Wong's the bigger loss, but it's interesting at Baylor. We always knew they were going to lose Keontae George. He's a one and done lottery pick. That's easy. But LJ Cryer and Adam Flagler both could have come back. And so you could have brought back, you know, two of your top three scores. And Baylor's also enrolling another five-star guard and Jacoby Walter. So you could have had, Cryer, Flagler, and another five-star, just like this year. Instead, Baylor's now losing their top three scores. Now, I think bringing back three of the top six, but losing the top three. And Miami is, I guess, somewhat similar. Um, could have brought back four starters from a team that went to the Final Four, shared the ACC title with Virginia, as it is now both of their two best scores, Isaiah Wong and Jordan Miller, um, are out the door. These guys, those guys average 30 combined to average 31.5 points per game this past season. Now, instead of returning four starters from a final four team, you're losing the top two scores from a final four team. That's at Miami at Baylor. Instead of returning two of your top three scores, uh, you're losing your top three scores. And so these are those, um, you know, th- th- there are certain decisions that are they're not even complicated, like Keontae George's. I've got to go. I'm a projected lottery pick, right? Brandon Miller, got to go, projected lottery pick. And then there's other decisions that are not complicated because there's nowhere for you to go. You're a good college basketball player, but the NBA is not even looking at you. And then it's it's the other decisions that I, I think often shape the sport, like these players who are good enough to reasonably enter the NBA draft, but they could also reasonably return to school, those type of people. And I think Isaiah Wong, is that type of player. I think Adam Flagler is that type of player. 
And when you get them back in school, it often leads to incredible success. And when you lose them, it sometimes robs you of the opportunity to have, you know, the, the same level of, of success that you otherwise would have had. And so it's been a bad couple of days for Miami and Baylor. They lost players that they could have reasonably brought back uh, to the NBA draft, apparently for different reasons. Isaiah Wong appears to just, you know, be ready to go to the NBA. And I think he will play in the NBA. Uh, Flagler just seems like he's, I've already graduated. I'm done with college. It's time to get with my life in whatever form that looks like. And so you wish him luck. He's going to, pl- he's going to plant his new flag. He's going to plant a new flag. Yeah. Just a pun. What else we got? Uh, but no, keep the people up to date here. Where are these teams drop in the top 25? You booted Baylor altogether, right? No, 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 no. I would never do You, you kidding me? I could not, I could not do that to Scott Drew. I dropped Miami from five down to 12. And I dropped Baylor, I think, from 16 down to, to number 21. They've still got some nice pieces there. And that's a program that's been operating consistently at a high level. You know, that's one of the programs that probably deserves some benefit of the doubt. So I've still got Baylor in there, but uh, boy, you, you start contrasting what the roster could have been if Flagler and Cryer just decide they're coming back. I mean, that's probably a preseason top 10 team. And now they're like a borderline top 25 team. Probably. Uh, they just picked up as Kevin in the chat just noted, uh, got Jaden Nunn from VCU. Good player. We'll see if he can be the next player from a smaller conference to, to go to Baylor and jump up. And uh, we detail some of other some of the other Baylor roster stuff as well. Where's Creighton now, GP? You jump him back up? Keep him I, moved him back, I moved him up to six, um, just behind Florida Atlantic, but that's a school that's having a... That's a by the way. It, it still looks weird. Yeah, you know what? There's still, to me, it's, it's, a, it's a race there with the FAU Owls, I got to admit it. Yep, what a sport. Florida Atlantic? I'd, and I also just sort of like having Florida Atlantic in the top five. So Creighton is six, and the schools had a, a nice week. They added Stephen Ashworth uh, from Utah State. He's a six-one point guard, just as we're popping through some other roster developments. Averaged 16.2 points last season while shooting 43.4% from three on 7.3 attempts per game. He's made 40.9% of his threes in three years at Utah State. So I love this type of addition. Utah State was good. Made the NCAA tournament, finished top 30 at Kimpom, and Stephen Ashworth was instrumental in everything good that happened there. Like Arkansas just added L. Ellis, right? And he scored a lot of points, but for a terrible team at Louisville. I, Every I never, that team's got to have a leading score. Well, that's the thing. Like, um, you, you got to put 68 teams in the tournament. Only four teams can make the final four. We tried to tell you. Every bad team somebody's got to score points for them right and so l ellis was that guy Theoretically, although louisville might have tested the principle they, this season. <laughs> so he scored a lot of points for a bad team i don't know what that means you know we'll see but i know what scoring a lot of points and shooting a great percentage from three for a quality basketball team means that means that you're legit i i i don't know that i'm ready to call this an upgrade are you ready to call it an upgrade i'm not i'm not either okay but boy yeah, it's a it's a nice that's about as good as you can do in a, as a replacement. It's a Again, solid. Yeah. The, McDermott and his staff were able to uh, pivot quickly, try and get a, a good quality addition. And that seems like that could be it. I think the bigger news is that Shireman's coming back. Baylor Shireman will return for one more season and his return. You know, the great thing about Creighton the season is it had so many contributors and did so many things well at both ends of the floor. Uh, aside from, you know, the whole mono issue and they had the weird skid in November and December that you because of like Kalkbrenner was the defensive player of the year in the big East. And there are times when he was the best player and there were times when Nemhard was the best player. And there would be times when Shireman showed up. Well, Shireman could, it would not stun me if, if Creighton's going to be what GP has them. Now, if Shireman played himself into all American candidacy next season, although they still got a really good roster that they might just cancel each other out a little bit here and there. At Arkansas, we mentioned LLS. They've been busy in the transfer portal since the end of the season. They've also added Tremont Mark, um, Khalif Battle, Tremont Mark from Houston, Khalif Battle from Temple. They've added five transfers total. Um, and Eric Musselman now has a roster that I've 
moved up to number 11 in the top 25 and one. They're just one spot behind Houston. You know, I don't know that there's anybody better at must than just taking these players. They're just people. They're just basketball players from all of wherever and, and molding them into a competent, cohesive basketball team. He did it at Nevada. He's been doing it at Arkansas. And it looks like he'll try to do it again next season at Arkansas. Maybe every season at Arkansas. It might, it might be. And I assume he'll do well with it because he's he's never not done well with it. Requisite Jim Laranega mentioned, though, every Sweet 16 team that's, that's ever had three transfers. Three starters have been transfers. So he's uh, he deserves to be in that conversation. Yeah, looking at this. So right now, Devo Davis and Jordan Walsh are going through the process. To me, it seems like they should return to college basketball, but we'll see if that winds up being the case. I remember a year ago, Jalen Williams entered. I'm pretty sure that the Arkansas staff thought that he was going to return. And even like at the NBA level, there was like he was going to get drafted. But how, you know, would this be the right move? Like if you had returned, he we talked about in the pod, like he could have been a top 20 player in the sport. And he's Oklahoma City you know, was in the playoff picture and he has been a guy who has been a factor on that team. So that, that wound up being um, a wise choice, at least in the short term for him. He's doing, he's doing well for himself. Uh, I think Jordan Walsh could be a top 10 defender in the sport if he returns. And then Devo Davis is not going to get drafted. There's no real buzz around that. So I think he should return, but we'll see. That being said, Arkansas's biggest weakness was it did not have three point shooting uh, at all. And really, if you go back and check out the UConn game, I mean, Arkansas was trading twos for threes and UConn was awesome. So part of it was that, but it did, it didn't shoot the, the three well at all and needed to add sh- shooters in that regard. So and it doesn't Khalif battle Khalif battle uh, will, will start elite level score. He can get hot, has a lot of experience. That's big time. Tremont Mark. Come on. He can shoot, but he's also, he's going to, he's going to start elite defender. Uh, I still, I don't, Hey, he can transfer for whatever reason. He wants to tra- it's just, just, I'm still a bit surprised that he left Houston. He had such a good situation there. And I know that, that they loved him, but they get just an awesome guy for that, for that program there. Uh, Ellis can play the one or the two. Um, that will be interesting. Cause he's not, he's not a big guard. He can play on or off ball. I know that. And they will probably play him at both point and play him off the ball there. Um, but we got to find out if he put up, you know, it wasn't empty stats on a bad team. I don't know. I don't know. They did play him. So that's just one of those things where you get this occasionally. In fact, Sean Miller had it with Sule Boom. Uh, Arkansas played against him and they scouted him. So clearly there was enough. There was enough there that they felt, um, you know, impulse to tr- chase him. I think Battle and Mark will start. I think Ellis has a good chance to start. And then uh, Keon Menafield from Washington. Uh, he's a. Uh, he was double digit scorer at Washington. He's quick and shifty. He is. He is skinny um he'll be off the bench but he's another score and then jeremiah davenport is another guy who can score um so he can probably play the two three or four plug in the holes but it's another huge arkansas hall and because of that you know like i think it's a solid class i i think you probably if they get Walsh and Davis back, because you're getting Brazil back, that's got to be a preseason top 15 team. I'm just interested to see how Muss makes this work and puts it all together. Because it happened last season to an extent, but remember, Hogs were an eight seed, didn't have Nick Smith for much of the season, lost Brazil early, were the nine seed, I think, in the SEC tournament. So they had some success, but as the tournament can do, they make the second weekend. It looks better in retrospect than it was for certain parts, parts and pockets of it. They are looking not to be in, have an eight next to that name. You know, they want to make another second weekend and go beyond. But the goal here is top three in the SEC, and we, you know, one, two, three, or four next to that name. And we'll see if he can do it yet again with a, with a five-pack of incoming transfers. Yeah, like, uh, you know, the, the, to the extent Arkansas had ups and downs last season, it wasn't hard to figure out why. Like, they lost a very important player for the season relatively early, and then Nick Smith was just never uh, uh, never reliably available, or he wasn't reliably available enough. And even when he played, like, he had moments, but he was never consistently great. So whatever we thought Arkansas was going to be, in the preseason, if somebody would have told us Trayvon Brazil's gone, not going to be a part of it, and Nick Smith's going to miss a lot of games, and when he plays, not going to be that great, 
be like, oh, well, we need to lower the maybe a, a, an eight seed sounds about right as opposed to what we thought. But based on uh, the, the, the projected roster, which includes all those guys you mentioned coming back, Jordan Walsh, uh, Devo Davis, um, I, I, that looks like a top 15 team to me. On paper, that, that looks like a top 15 team, one that could reasonably barely crack, but, but crack the top 10. Yeah, would agree. Think we're ready to call it a day? You want me to? I mean, we can. Oh, we got a quick. Let me just do this quick news around uh, the drafting because because uh, Gavoni. Uh, listen, Gavoni's getting a lot of love on this episode. Yeah, he did break the news. Here. The Jonathan Gavoni podcast. Well, here we go. Um, I heard, heard rumblings on this, but going back like months and months, and it actually is the case here. So he published a story earlier today where this uh, this memo, which this is this is straight from it here. He goes, a 91-page jointly written memo sent out by the NBA and NBA Basketball Players Association. 91 pages is not a memo. That's yeah. a CBA unto itself. That is a treaty. But, buddy, buddy, if you ever send me 91 pages, 91 pages? that's yeah, not that a just, memo. No, nah, that ain't even getting opened. Yeah, You ever get an email from, like, sometimes, because our, art. that's a weird thing, or among the weird things about our jobs is that, um, it's not hard to contact us. People are, our, our emails are out there and stuff. And sometimes I get an email from somebody and I'll just click on it and it'll be like a whole page. And I'm just like, I can't even, I can't, I could not read. Yeah. I cannot. I, you are literally the meme. I, yes. I ain't reading all that. I'm happy for you though. Or sorry <laughs> that happened. Right. No, I, I like, if you, if you, if you send me an email that you actually want me to read, I better, it, it better be a few sentences. If I see paragraphs, it's like what well, I am. There's just no scenario where I'm where you I'm are going. not going to capture my attention for more. Yeah, than you're not, I cannot seconds. give you my. I, I'm offended by the length of this email. I really, I am offended by the length of the email. Ah, uh, anyway, okay. So, 91 page memo. Get out of my face with that. Regardless, the 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 hook here is that I'll read the the quote straight from Cavoni's copy here. Beginning in 2024, all invited players will be required to attend and participate in the NBA draft combine or be ineligible to be drafted until the first subsequent draft for which the player attends and fully participates. Participation will include league medical examinations, sharing of medical history and biomechanical and functional. When's the last time you got involved in some biomechanical and functional movement testing GP? Yesterday. Exactly. Yesterday. I don't know about that. As well as strength and agility testing, shooting drills, performance testing and anthro Pometric measurements. Gosh, gotta love it. Players will also be required to conduct team interviews, media circuits, player development sessions, and other assessments as determined by the NBA in consultation with the NBPA. Players will not be compelled to compete in five-on-five scrimmaging, which typically only a handful of first-round prospects elect to participate in. End quote. We can wrap the pod here. Um, did hear from a few folks on this on the NBA side and the agent side. Um some good, some not good reaction to this. There's actually folks that think that this should not be the case, uh, but it's done because the, the combine has lost relevancy, urgency, legitimacy, all of it in the past five to seven or eight years. And now you are starting next year, not this year, starting next year, you are forcing anyone that literally wants to play in the NBA to attend and participate in the combine. I happen to think that's a good thing for the overall enterprise, but there is a there is a school of thought that there actually could be fake injuries and this stuff that people will try and work around. We can maybe save this for uh, for a more detailed podcast, NBA related down the road. But it did break shortly before we podcasted, and I find it to be interesting. Everyone on the NBA side likes it because it it it, it allows you to level the evaluation playing the field. Playing field doesn't allow agents to steer prospects to some teams and not to others and to hide medicals, yada yada, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, we're talking about some NBA decisions. I figured I'd bring up that little piece of news. Long overdue and uh, part of the new CBA, which, and oh, by the way, the age limit will remain the same. Your guy here was telling you this four or five years ago when people were assuming this was going to be just an automatic, that it was going to change. I had a few folks on the NBA side maintaining to me that they could not see why the Players Association would ever go for this and want to um, make its workforce younger and why... Uh, you know, NBA front offices would want to take chances on younger players when one or two could be great and the next seven or eight could not be. So you're probably aware of it. But if you are not, that is not going to change. The NBA's rule that you have to be at least 19 years old to be eligible to be drafted will stay, which means one and done type players will still be coming into college basketball. And that is obviously a good thing for the sport.
Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck Larnell. Thank you guys once again for watching, listening to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify. There's more of us than there are of them. That needs to be reflected in the comments over at Apple, accompanying a five-star review. If you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel yet, please do that while you're here, and we'll talk to you again. We really haven't discussed when we'll talk to you. Oh, no, but I, hey, I feel a mail. I'm <clears throat> easier for me to say i feel a mailbag's coming you do you do i do I feel it's coming I, don't. I, I feel it's coming gp okay whatever hey can i give you one this is one tease as we get out of here luke smith writes i was listening to your pod yesterday a little while before i went to bed and then i dreamed i had to perform the eulogy at digger, digger phelps's funeral you oh, may man. not have killed digger in real life but you killed him in my subconscious Mailbag's coming. I had a weird dream the other night. I'll be quick with this. Um, I woke up. I like. I woke up, and I and I had this realization. I was like, I don't. I haven't been doing the top twenty-five and one every morning, and nobody's even pointed it out to me. Like, I wonder. Like, how, how did I just let this slip by? And it, like, I. And then it was like, oh, it's the off season. I don't have to do that right now. Yeah, that's nice. It is nice. But I woke up in a panic. Like I wasn't, I woke up in a panic. All right, we'll talk to you again whenever we talk to you again. Till then, take care. CBS Friday, TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. Used to be. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.